John chapter 10. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. What a passage of Scripture. This very important transitional and explanatory verse, I hope that you'll consider all of its words carefully with me. If you study the verse and the three or four following, you'll clearly find all five points of Calvinism. It should be understood that when I use the word Calvinist in this church, we disagree with the common interpretation for the I of irresistible grace and the P of perseverance of the saints. They believe that irresistible grace applies to conversion. We believe that irresistible grace applies to regeneration. They believe in the persevering of the saints as fatalists. We believe in God preserving his saints, but they'll not all persevere. Enough about that. You can look that up on our outline in a document found by a search for Calvinism or Arminianism. Look at the word but. The inspired disjunctive starting this verse, it explains why with Jesus telling the Jews in verse 25, they wouldn't believe. And with the works that Jesus did in the second half of verse 25, they wouldn't believe. Remember, the healing of the man born blind was very real and very recent because it's referred to in verse 21. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Well, what was the problem with these Jews that they were having such a controversy and division about Jesus? And verses 19 through 21 told us about that division. Jesus now explains, it wouldn't matter if I told you again. It wouldn't matter how plainly I told you. It wouldn't matter if I didn't use a parable this time. It doesn't matter that I've done so many miracles. He's explaining now by appealing to election. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. That's the reason. It's not my presentation of the truth. It's not my demonstration by miracles of the truth. You're not elect. You're reprobates, and that's why you don't believe. And so we have the word but drawing this contrast. Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, the Old Testament church. And the divided Jews demanded that Jesus tell them plainly if he was God's Christ, and he did, but it didn't matter because they weren't his sheep. And he's using the word sheep here because he started off with a parable about sheep and shepherds because he wanted to explain he was the door. He wanted to explain that he was the good shepherd, the good shepherd in contrast to thieves and robbers, the good shepherd in contrast to hirelings, the good shepherd that would lay down his life for the sheep, the good shepherd that knows his sheep and the sheep know him and they get along very well together and the father knows them and other sheep that he has are the Gentiles that he would bring as well. All that was contained in a parable and some transitional verses. So he's still using that 
right now because he has described the close relationship between himself and his sheep. And they're pushing him and he's explaining to them, you're not of my sheep. That's why you don't know me and I don't know you. Remember, he will say to them one day, I never knew you. But he knows his sheep because he says so in verse 27, and he said so in verse 14 of this chapter. What a beautiful word. But ye believe not, not because I'm not plain enough, not because I haven't told you, not because there aren't miracles to prove it, not because there wasn't a Baptist named John. Ye don't believe because you're not of my sheep. And let me say again, the Arminian scheme is, but ye are not of my sheep because ye believe not. They reverse it. We don't reverse it. We don't play games with the Bible like that. It is impossible for a goat to become a sheep by believing on Jesus. It's impossible for a dead man to become a living man by believing on Jesus. It's impossible for an enemy of God to become the friend of God by believing on Jesus. God has to change him from the heart And we read that this morning in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And the summary, the four words were, but God be thanked. But God be thanked. The summary of the book of Job is God is greater than man. The summary of Romans 6, but God be thanked. The summary of Galatians 1, but when it pleased God. The summary of John 10, but ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Let's go to the next word, though I would love to stay there on that but for a while longer. Let's think about this but and what it's about to say, but ye believe not. There is a reason men do not believe the most obvious facts about God, his son Jesus, and the truth of the Bible. Can you fully picture the founder of our religion, the son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, standing before men that had been taught the monotheistic religion of Jehovah, that had the Bible and all the prophecies about the coming Messiah, and they push and provoke him like this and have divisions where they're saying he's possessed of a devil and he's mad. You should remember all that they knew about God, the prophecies about him from Isaiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the three years of Jesus' ministry. About 39 months at this point. There is no evangelistic method to influence them. We've learned that in the Bible. Jesus said it wouldn't matter if a man came back from the dead. You can't turn a goat into a sheep. It wouldn't matter. There's no methods. And so we can't blame ourselves for methods or paucity of converts because it's up to God to show us his sheep. In Isaiah chapter 26, the prophet said, if you put a man in the land of uprightness, he's still not going to learn righteousness. Because his nature hasn't changed. God must change his nature first. And unless God grants repentance, men will continue to oppose themselves and contradict the truth. There is no profit or value, my brethren. There is no profit or value or reason to debate salvation with anyone if they will not accept total depravity. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. The only way a depraved son of Adam can ever believe the gospel is for God to make him a sheep 
and to regenerate him, then he can believe. Or he won't. They don't care. They just don't care. And so depravity is very important. Do not try to discuss. Don't start with election. Don't start with a great commission. Don't start with the purpose of the gospel. Don't start with those things. Start with total depravity. And for the sake of TULIP, which is the acronym for the five points of Calvinism, T, for total depravity, U, for unconditional election, L, for limited atonement, I, for irresistible grace, and P, for preservation of the saints from our interpretation, that gives you TULIP. Start with the T. Remember, start with the T. Because if you can show them the total depravity of man from the Bible, election is necessary to get anyone saved. God's going to have to choose first because they're so depraved they'll never choose him. And so once you convince them of total depravity, if, if they're even close to believing the truth, they'll fall into election. They have to. Ye is the second person plural pronoun referring to the, the plurality of Jews standing in front of Jesus. But ye believe not. He said it to their faces. He shortly explained that his sheep were those his father gave him for certain eternal life that would never be lost. And these standing before him didn't have eternal life, weren't given to him by the Father, hadn't been given to him, and wouldn't be preserved. They were condemned men. The Bible says there are some men that were before of old ordained to this condemnation. That is Jude, verse 4. There are certain men before of old. How old is that? Before the foundation of the world. But it says before of old ordained to this condemnation that is reprobation god passing over men i am not going to play games with you about superlapsarianism sublapsarianism infralapsarianism those are theological words that try to line up the decrees of god on how he decreed before he created did he decree to save some men and to damn others before he decreed to create adam and eve and the Garden of Eden, and allow the fall? Or did he decree to create that man would fall, and that he would choose from that fall, and I'm not going to exercise myself in matters too high for me. I do lean toward one of those schools, because I know that everything flows from the glory of God, and the glory of God created sin. God never sinned, and God never made anyone sin. But God arranged for sin in the Garden of Eden. God gave a commandment, and God let the devil in to tempt our first parents. God arranged all that. God knew it was going to happen. But Adam did it freely. Adam did it for Eve. Eve did it freely. The Bible tells us on what three bases Eve ate the fruit. It wasn't because God made her. It's because she questioned God's word and the fruit was good to look upon, it looked like it would taste good, and it looked like a fruit that actually might make her as wise as God, knowing good and evil. And so based on those three things, she ate it. And so we're depraved as a result. Adam and Eve begat Cain in their likeness and after their image, and so have parents and children been that way since the very beginning. But ye, Jesus said this to these men, so much for the careful, politically correct, milk toast, compromising preaching of most men. Jesus was not like them. The Lord here separates those called and those chosen as indicated elsewhere. For many are called, but few are chosen. He said that elsewhere, but he didn't quite say it this way. 
you're not chosen. But that's what he said here. But ye believe not because you're not of my sheep. What a fantastic statement and how we become a sheep and what it means to be a sheep and what Jesus did for the sheep is all in the next three verses. This is not us taking verse 26 and pushing election into it. It's Jesus preaching and Jesus using the next three verses to expand on verse 26 that he's talking about election and limited atonement. Everything is there. But ye believe not. What is the root cause of men not believing? Their total depravity. What's an indirect cause? God not electing them and choosing them out of that depravity to give them a changed heart. Right. It's there. Yeah. Reprobation is there. Final preservation. You, uh, they're, you're, they're in my hand, and no man can pluck them out of my hand, Jesus said. My Father, which is greater than I all, they're in his hand. And who? no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's final preservation. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about they're always going to stay in his hand. Like, they're going to jump into his hand and stay there. Or they're always going to stay this way or stay that way. It's they're in my hand and they're in my Father's hand. Yes. And I and my Father are one in this matter and in our nature and in our power and in our wisdom of salvation. We are one. It's a fantastic passage. I don't think I put it in the preparatory email that I sent out yesterday. But I had it there, and then I deleted it. I believe that's the way it... I, I know I had it there, and maybe you got it anyway. But I said, it's probably good that our children going to Bob Jones Elementary School and Bob Jones Middle School and Bob Jones this and Bob Jones that, it's probably good that they're on vacation. Because if, if, if those students will think about these verses right here, they have an answer for their whole religious fantasy of believing on Jesus to become a little sheep of Jesus. But I want to be a sheep of Jesus, the goat says as he bounces around. I want to be a sheep of Jesus. Well, then believe on Jesus and you can be one of his sheep. That's what we learned at Bob Jones. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Right. The Bible teaches only the sheep believe, and they're sheep first, then they believe. It's right here, right in front of us. But ye... He says it right to their faces. Every church has reprobates and belly-worshipping carnal Christians to be preached against, just like this church. This was the church. This was the kingdom of God. This is what's called the church in the wilderness by Stephen in Acts chapter 7. This had the house of the Lord. This had the temple of God. This is my father's house of prayer, Jesus said in John 2. This was the church as it existed in the world at that time. This was the kingdom, but within it, there were, some, there were many called, but few chosen. And it's always going to be that way. Lord, help us to prove our and make our calling and election sure. Amen. But ye believe not. Ye believe not of the condemning words that declared the evidence they were not elect or regenerated. Because if you're not elect, you're not regenerated because God's never regenerated reprobates. John wrote this gospel to exhort his readers to belief, to faith for proof of eternal life. And this is a passage that should move you. Just think if you're reading this gospel and you hadn't heard very much preaching and you're reading through and you find these four verses right here. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Yes, that's what I want. 
Well, how do I prove that I'm one of the sheep? Believe. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. He's using terminology from the first five verses of the chapter because he started with a parable and he continues to draw words from that parable. My sheep hear my voice. It is not his literal speaking voice of regeneration from John 5. That is not the context. The context right here is, but ye believe not. It's not ye are not regenerated. It's but ye believe not. This is important. I remember the first time I asked, primitive Baptist pastors, what John 10, 27 meant. And I was told, my sheep hear my voice. That's the regenerating voice of Jesus from John 5. And they follow me, is following me in the resurrection. Not a chance. That's not the context here. The context here is, tell us plainly if you're the Christ. I have told you, you didn't believe. The works that I do, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not. The issue is some not believing and some believing using the terminology of the parable. My sheep hear my voice. To jump to the vital phase of salvation in John chapter 5 is not rightly dividing the word of truth because it's violating this context and it's creating a bunch of fatalists so that we can go out and say that thousands, yea, millions, Yea, billions are actually God's sheep. They just don't know it. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Because he was preaching to some and they didn't hear his voice. They said, that's a devil. But my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And in between, I know them. They're the elect God's given me. And the, the, the issue right here, the context right here is belief. Most of you cannot appreciate what I've just said to you. The question I asked and the answer I got and the consequence of that doctrine, most of you don't know. But for those that spent some time in the primitive Baptists, they'll end up with most everyone in heaven. Because of taking verses like this and wanting to take conversion out of it. But this is about conversion. Why wouldn't the Jews believe? Because they weren't sheep. Why did some believe? Hearing his voice was hearing his voice. He was preaching to them. Why did some hear Jesus and, and fall down and worship him like the man born blind? Right. We don't have to jump to John 5's regenerating voice. And how do they follow him? Why should we jump to following him in the resurrection? The following him here is out of the sheepfold, out to the pasture, to find pasture and to be taken back in and to do that every day that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly it is conversion it is the practical phase of salvation and I don't want to spend any more time because most of you don't even need to have your minds complicated with heresies of fatalism by those that exalt election and regeneration so highly that they excuse the lack of conversion but ye believe not. The faith of God's elect is more than mental assent, for it results in disciples of Jesus. Notice, they follow him. Like sheep follow their shepherd. Jesus had taught about faith depending on regeneration earlier in this gospel, and we don't need to quote all those verses. Remember, but as many as received him, 
To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But God be thanked. How much can we thank the organist? You want me to say your name? How much should we thank the organist for people in heaven? Because after all, those tons of speakers at Bob Jones playing just as I am, that helps get people down the aisle. How much thanks to the organist? How much thanks to the prayer warrior that's going to meet with the, the poor soul that went forward in the back room? How much thanks to the evangelist? Is there anyone in heaven thanking Paul for being there? Not a chance. But God be thanked. Amen. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brother and beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That's the order of things. Let's keep it that way. But ye believe not, because identifies the cause of their unbelief. Can you look at this verse? Young people, memorize it with me. I memorized it a long time ago. Can you, do you know it already? Have I said it enough times? Because I'll cure that if I haven't. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Timothy, you can memorize this. It'll serve you the rest of your life. And you remember, the three verses coming after it explain exactly what it means to be a sheep of Jesus and how they became a sheep of Jesus and that they can never lose eternal life. Miriam, I didn't mean to cut you off. You can memorize this verse. It's a great verse. But ye believe not. Jesus telling the Jews why they didn't believe on him, though there was so much evidence. There were so many reasons to believe on him. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, Benjamin, you can learn it too. Let's not reach lower than that yet. She's coming, but not quite. It's a great verse in the ones that follow it. You know, we tend to think of Ephesians 1. If he, I want to take somebody to Ephesians 1. I want to take somebody to Romans 9. What's wrong with John chapter 10, verses 26 through 29? It doesn't get any plainer than this. This is reprobation in the face of these Jews. Right. Romans 9 tells us that God is able of the same lump to make vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath. Do you believe that? Yeah. Well, he just he's standing in front of some vessels of wrath. They're called children of wrath. In Ephesians 2, they're called children of disobedience. Why wouldn't they believe on him? Because they had the same nature you and I have, and if it wasn't for the grace of God, we wouldn't believe on him. We wouldn't be here today. Amen. If it wasn't for the grace of God. But God be thanked. But God be thanked. That's for Timothy, you can remember that one. But God be thanked. Miriam, but God be thanked. But God be thanked. These are wonderful verses. But ye believe not because, and the identifier is the fact that they were not sheep. Luke, Luke writing the Acts of the Apostles, describes Paul preaching in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13 and verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. Amen. Who believes? 
Those that were ordained to eternal life. Who are those ordained to eternal life? Those given by the Father of Jesus Christ to be saved that are called here His sheep. As many as were ordained to eternal life believe. Men have tried to corrupt that. I remember sitting in my Acts of the Apostles class as a freshman at Bob Jones University and hearing Dr. George Dollar tell us that Acts 13.48 meant as many as were disposed to eternal life believed. Well, I, I want to know who's in charge of the disposal. Is it, the, is it the believer or is it God disposing men to believe? But I'm going to go with the word ordained. Because we believe in the predestination of men to the adoption of sons and the predestination of other men to the rejection of that same God. Amen. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13, 48 is a great cross-reference for John 10 and verse 26. As soon as you accept the doctrine of total depravity, election is necessary for any obedience to the gospel, because otherwise who would do it? Total depravity. We hate God. We hate God's law. We're not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Romans 8, 7 and 8. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. You have to have a new spirit to discern, to judge, to appreciate the things of the Holy Spirit of God. If it wasn't for election, nobody would believe. If it wasn't for election, there would be none saved. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none that understandeth. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the state of mankind, every single one of them, without the electing grace of God to initiate the changes in them that result in conversion. It's election, then regeneration. Well, there's, there's justification in there. There's, there's an election, God's choice. There's justification, Christ's death. There's regeneration, the Holy Spirit giving us that new heart that we read in Romans 6, 17. Ye have obeyed that form of doctrine from your heart that was delivered to you. Then there's conversion. When Jesus speaks, or when men speak for him, by his words that are on the printed page. My sheep hear my voice. He was preaching to them, and there were men believing on him, men being baptized, men falling down and worshiping him, like the man born blind. If you do not accept total depravity, then you have to ascribe the blame to not enough souls being saved to poor preaching methods. If you do not accept total depravity, then you ascribe the poor results to the lack of money for missions. And they sure do. It isn't methods and it isn't money. It's but God be thanked. If peradventure God will grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Amen. Ye are not of my sheep, are the words of Jesus identifying his audience as not being chosen by God. Before any other thought, the lack of belief in Jesus Christ was not the cause of not being sheep. I know I'm repeating myself. I never want you to forget John 10, 26. It doesn't say that we're not sheep because we don't believe. It tells us we don't believe, or some don't believe, because they're not sheep. Right. That's... That's so different. Dad, Dad, look what we found 41 years ago by the grace of God. Because that same idiot that the Lord showed some truth to had handed out a little tract in the subdivision near our house entitled 
I know, the worst track in the whole world. The four spiritual laws. You want to open this little jewel with me? Law number one. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I wonder if it's the plan of Jude 4. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. I wonder how many of those Noah racked his shotgun and blew into the stands like they do at football games. Yeah, they have a big gun. They blow t-shirts up there. Okay, you didn't know. But they threw them. How many of those were thrown off the ark? God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I was 19 years old in the First Baptist Church of Saline, Michigan, when a deacon was preaching in the absence of the pastor, and he laid that jewel on me. And you listen, there was a time where I, I absolutely did not know anything. And you know how old I was? I was 19. I could have done okay in an IQ test, but I want to tell you something. I did not know anything. And that deacon is up there describing Noah's Ark. And God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life and a smiley life ring on the side of the ark with a smiley face on it. Smile, God loves you, you know, while you're drowning with your family. Blown away. Flat out blown away. That makes more sense about the flood than anything I've ever heard my whole life. I don't care if it was two, three, or ten animals that went up the ramp into the ark in comparison to actually thinking about the God of judgment that was there and dropped the first drop. They had never seen rain. We never finished the project, Matthew. Matthew started a flash program that had a family standing there making fun of Noah's Ark as the door, God shut the door on that thing. It tells us that. God shut the door on that Ark. And they're standing there making fun. He was going to have a cartoon for us on the website and the first drop lands on Mrs. Skeptic. Husband? What was that? You know when you're driving and you get the first drop? Then you get the second. There's a God in heaven. If it wasn't for the grace of God, we would have drowned in the flood or we will drown in fire in a day that's coming soon. Do you know what it says about Noah? It says it in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9. Do you want to hear another but? Are you you willing for another but? But Noah found grace. But Noah found grace. It's another but. But Noah found grace. This earth deserves to be destroyed again. The stuff they're doing right now, that family out there in Arizona that just this week came public that the whole family Father, mother, son, daughter, all four are transitioning to the other sex. If I'd have tried to tell you 20 or 30 years ago that this was even possible in America, you would have said it's impossible to even talk about it. It's now happening and glorified. What is happening to our country? We deserve to be judged like Sodom and Gomorrah. But Noah found grace, and let's find grace. Let's run to the only place where there is grace. It's the sanctuary of Christ Jesus, David. It's it's our hiding place. And so let's run to our shepherd, our hiding place. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, Jesus said to his enemies. The sheep of Christ are his elect people given to him by God for the purpose of salvation and adoption as his brethren. And this is what the Bible teaches, but this is what the context teaches. 
Verse 27, let me speedily bring this to a conclusion. And if we need to come back, we'll do it. Because I've got pages on these verses because they're wonderful. My sheep hear my voice. You don't hear them. You don't believe on me. You don't hear my voice. You don't believe on me because you're not of my sheep, was verse 26. My sheep, in opposition to you, different from you, hear and believe. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And we go in and out, and I know them, and they know me, and we have a perfect relationship of shepherd and sheep. We are united together. My Father which gave them me is coming up in verse 29. But he's alluded to that already in verses uh, 14 down through 18 about God the Father knoweth me even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep it is a joint project for Jesus Christ to save the sheep his father assigned him to it verse 27 is conversion it's the practical phase of salvation there's nothing else in it except implied and understood and assumed that anyone that believes has been born again first that's just assumed and understood from you knowing that from other places in Scripture. The terminology of sheep, voice, know, and follow. Four words. Sheep, voice, know, follow. Where did those four words come? From John 5? No. From the first five verses of John 10. Because he is still drawing on the parable. And this is the, this is the last after verse 27, there is no more reference to the parable. These are transitional verses. Verses 28 and 29 and 30 have no reference to sheep, shepherd, flocks, fold, porters, or anything like that because they are plain doctrine. They wanted plain doctrine. They got plain doctrine right in their faces. There's no sheep or parable or metaphor or simile in verses 28 and 29. It's just flat out plain. And here we go, verse 28. My, he's referring to his sheep. And I give unto them eternal life. I am the good shepherd, and I give my sheep eternal life, but you're not my sheep. Eternal life is not given to you. The contrast here, because he's preaching to them. This is not him and the apostles at a diner. And he's explaining eternal life to them. This is him telling his enemies, you want to push me around? You want to tell me to speak plainly and not use parables? It wouldn't matter what I said to you. Look at the miracles that I've done. Aren't they a witness of me being the Son of God? But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said to you in verse 14, where he said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. There is a relationship. And you don't have it with me and I don't have it with you. Ye are not of my sheep. And then verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. There's the great contrast of verses 26 and 27 and then the explanation of where the sheep came from and what he does for them. Why is he the good shepherd? I give unto them eternal life. I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 11, verse 15 of this same chapter. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. How many sheep are going to perish? None. He'll not lose a single one of them. John chapter 6, verses 38 and 39. I came down from heaven not to do my own will. Sawyer, get this. Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Amen. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. The people that get saved in the end are the ones that God gave to Jesus Christ. 
And he is committed and he has promised that he will not lose even one of them. How do we know that we're the sheep of Jesus Christ? We believe on him. Because if we don't believe on him, it proves that we are not the sheep of Jesus Christ. Because only the sheep believe. And this is how we know we have eternal life. And this is why John wrote the Gospel of John. He said so in John 20 and verse 31. But these are written that ye might know that ye have eternal life. And 1 John 5 and verse 13. Lord, thank you for such things. Verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life. Salvation is a gift. It is not an offer. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, and I offer them eternal life. I give unto them eternal life. If Jesus Christ offered eternal life, how many people would be saved? None would be saved. How do we know that? Because of the doctrine of the T, total depravity. No one would believe on Jesus Christ if it was offered to them. They have to be changed first and given eternal life. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. This is God's preservation of them. It doesn't say they shall never sin. It doesn't say they shall never backslide. It doesn't say they shall never believe a false doctrine. It says they shall never perish, and the perishing is in context of eternal life. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. To be in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the founder of our religion. To be in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. No man can pluck us out of his hand. He made the worlds. This gospel began with these words. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. You're in his hand. He holds the worlds in his hands. He upholds all things by the word of his power. How much power is that? He said in Matthew chapter 28 to his apostles, before he sent them to preach, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. All power. We're in the hands of Jesus Christ. I just want to know if I'm one of his sheep. Believe on his gospel. Love him and follow him. Follow him today and what he wants you to do, the way he wants you to speak, the way he wants you to be a wife. Listen, you heard a sermon this morning, this afternoon already from Brother Joel. The way you should rule your thoughts. The things you should look at. You had that read to you from Psalm 101. The friends that you should choose. You had that taught to you. Follow Jesus Christ in all parts of your life and you're one of his sheep because those that aren't sheep don't do that. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. They like hearing preaching about Jesus Christ and they follow me and I know them and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord when I was 19 years old to be shown these things, to believe these things, to love these things, and hopefully to be submissive enough to preach them. These are wonderful verses. You say, I'm not content yet. I still feel insecure. After verse 28. Well, that's why he has verse 29, brethren. If you're still insecure after verse 28, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. If you think my power is limited, if you think I might not be able to hold on to all my sheep, let me tell you about my Father. My Father, which gave them me. That is the doctrine of election. God chose us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Jesus is going to pray an hour before his 
a couple hours before his crucifixion, in John 17, he's going to pray to the Father. He's going to open his prayer by saying, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. How do we get to learn about Jesus? By learning about God. How do we get to learn about God and Jesus? By having eternal life given to us. Who is eternal life given to? Those that were given to Jesus by the Father. It's all wrapped up in John 17, verses 2 and 3. Exact term, very similar terminology, almost identical to what we have right here. My Father, which gave them me. Those four words, which gave them me. It wasn't an offer. Salvation is by a covenant. Salvation is like a last will and testament. God wrote a will. I choose these beneficiaries for eternal life and to own the universe with my only begotten son named Jesus of Nazareth. Well, how do you put a last will and testament like that into force? How does any will go into force? The testator or the one making the will has to die. How can God die? He's an eternal spirit. So he became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 that by the means of death, that last will and testament went into force. And that is how we are saved. My Father which gave them me, they were written down in a will. And the Father said to the Lord Jesus Christ in covenant before the world began, Listen, if you were chosen in Christ before the world began, can there be a covenant between God and Christ before the world began? You say, but I thought Jesus the Christ came into existence in Bethlehem. He did. But who was he before Bethlehem? He was the Word of God. It's the covenant of salvation. You will take on human flesh, and you will die for them, and you will secure everlasting life for every one of them. That is how we are saved. It is not an offer. The only offer... And this whole thing is Jesus Christ offered himself without spot to God. And did God accept him? God accepted him, promoted him, rewarded him, and placed him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and put him at the pinnacle of the universe. But the only offering is Jesus dying on the cross and offering himself to the Father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And through the eternal spirit, this is all in Hebrews 9. If you want to read about it and get excited, he offered himself to God and God accepted him. And when God accepted him, he was accepting his beloved son. And we are told in Ephesians 1, 6, he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Because the beloved offered himself to God and God accepted what Jesus Christ did. And we were in Christ because we had been given to him. And so we're accepted. Accepted is different from accepting. Do you know that? When you're accepted, that's someone else accepting you. I'm just... I love all my grandchildren, but right now I'm loving on this one. Do you understand the difference between accepted and accepting? When you're accepted, that means someone else is accepting you. When you're accepting, that means you're doing something towards something else. When we get to heaven, it's not going to be whether we accepted Jesus... It's not going to be whether we accepted God. It's going to be whether God accepted us in Jesus. 
And the Bible says he's made us accepted in the beloved. What do you think I felt like when I first heard that explained to me? The difference between accepting and accepted. That there was no offer, there was only giving. There's gifts. Do you want to know the gifts? God gave Jesus Christ for us. God gave us to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. That's all gifts. That's all giving. I know what time it is, and I'm sorry about it. Sort of. Okay, here we go. It's a gold watch. Don't take it anywhere to get it tested. <laughs> I have a gold watch up here. If anybody would like it, they can come and get it. No, no, don't do that yet. This is an evangelistic ploy. Many evangelists have... Naomi, I'd probably give it to you. <laughs> I have a gold watch. If you'd like it, just come up and get it. And the evangelist says that is like salvation. It's being offered. All you have to do is come up and get it. But now there's a problem with that. And it starts with T. It's total depravity. Who is going to come up to God and tell him that you appreciate him and that you would like that gift of eternal life because Jesus means so much to you? Nobody will. That is so false. It's based on the false idea of free will. That every man has a free will and all you have to do is offer Jesus to them and if you offer him well enough, logically enough, and have enough candy or coupons for Big Macs or fish fillets at McDonald's, the kids in the bus will embrace Jesus and you'll have a whole busload of saved kids. That's where all that Arminian junk comes from, the free will of man. But the Bible doesn't say man has a free will. The Bible does tell us about the will that gets us saved. And it's in Ephesians chapter 1, it's in Hebrews 10, for the good pleasure of his own will Amen. he saved us yes. verse 29 my father which gave them me is greater than all if you felt that you were a little insecure in verse 28 well Jesus added verse 29 my father which gave them me is greater than all he is telling reprobates what kind of a relationship he has with his sheep how he got the sheep what he's doing for the sheep and how secure the sheep are and though they be uneducated Beggars that sat by the highway because they had been born blind. They were absolutely secure in the hand of Jesus Christ, the man standing in front of them that could perform miracles like no one else, and in the hand of God. He is telling reprobates, this is what those little people that you make fun of that believe on me, this is what they have. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. If you're in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you're in the hand of God who is greater than all, you are safe. They shall never perish. I will not lose one of them. Behold, I and the children. Behold, I and the children which thou hast given me. These same ones right here. This This is why we have our little church here in Greenville. Others don't want to believe these things. We would love to share these things with them. That's why we have a website. But we love these things. I and my Father are one. If you think there's any conflict between God the Father and me, you're totally wrong. We are one in nature. That is included in this statement because of the way the Jews took it and argued against him and wanted to stone him immediately. Look what it says. Verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. 
What good work uh, do you want to stone me for? Jesus asked in verse 32. For which of these works do you want to stone me? We're not stoning you for a good work. We're stoning you for blasphemy because thou being man makest thyself God. And leading up to that statement, I and my father are one, it was pretty strong doctrine, wasn't it? Because he was telling reprobates, you're not saved, you're not sheep. This is what God, the father of Israel, has done through me, the Messiah, with his people. They're forever secure with everlasting life. Whether you like them or not, whether you allow them into your synagogue and temples or not, or you throw them out like you did the man born blind. Jesus did not contest their argument about his words, I and my Father are one. He simply went to their scriptures to prove that him being the Son of God was not a misuse of terminology. But that's for another time. Do you like these verses? Amen. Amen. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This is the founder of our religion. This is your high priest. This is the apostle of your profession. This is the bishop of your soul. This is the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and the chief shepherd. He is our all in all. How do we know we're sheep? We follow him. What does it mean to follow him? To be his disciple. John 8, we've already been there. I can't go re-preach this. John 8, many believed on him. But Jesus said to them, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There's more truth that comes, and that's in discipleship to obey. We started out this morning with Romans 6, 16 through 18. We were the servants of sin unto death. Now we want to be the servants of obedience unto righteousness and the end being life everlasting. My brethren, we can know that we are the sheep of Jesus Christ by following him, hearing his voice. His audible voice was written down and you have heard it explained to you following him in obedience. Let's follow him in obedience and know that we are the sheep of Christ. It has nothing to do with what you think. It has nothing to do with what you believe. It has nothing to do with you being baptized if you don't follow that up with a changed life. Lord, have mercy upon us. Blessed God in heaven, we thank thee. We thank thee for the gift of thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the gift of giving us to him, and for his gift of eternal life to us, that we might know thee, the only true God, and, his, and your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to remember this passage, especially our children, that they will never be led astray by the free will fantasies of those that believe and teach that you have to believe on Jesus to become one of his sheep when we see that you gave us to him. And so... All thanksgiving, all praise goes up to thee, Heavenly Father, that we are the sheep of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.